people are coming in for their very first time for worship. We feel your Holy Spirit. We declare right now salvation in the house of God in Jesus' name. Strongholds broken in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you want to just lift your hands and say, I want it. Just right now, before we sing this next song, just say, I want it. Come prepare your hearts right now. Say, I want it.
We're free to worship, we're free to clap our hands, we're free to dance. I'm not sure if you've seen it before, but this is, is, is not how we worship God, amen. There's nothing wrong with that, amen. But come on, what's happening on the inside should reflect on the outside. Come on, amen. So today, I don't know if you come here, well, I'm not used to it. Come on now, before you got saved, before you stepped into church, you know you were dancing a little bit to your favorite song. So we're going to give God that praise right now, amen, because he's worthy of it. Come on, you, how many of you think he's worthy of that praise? Come on, get it, amen. All right, let's do this song, Justice. We're going to sing it again. When we get to this part, now sing. We're just going to sing it out. And when we get to I shout, we're going to shout. Come on, can we practice that on three? Let's shout it out. One, two, three, shout. All right, that's good. We can get a little better. And then when we get to the dance, don't be afraid to dance. If all you know is a two-step, all you side to side, that's okay. We're going to do it for the Lord. Amen. Come on, let's sing out. And I'll sing because you are good. And I'll dance because you are good. And I'll shout because you are good. You are good to me. And I'll sing because you are good. And I'll dance because you are good. And I'll shout because you are good. You are good to me. Anywhere close to you, the essence possesses the only replacement to And in my darkest night, you shine as bright as day. Your love amazing. And I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because. You are good and I'll shout because you are good, you are good to me. And I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good, you are good to me. And I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good. You are good to me. Oh, cool. Give him a hand clap of praise. Come on, I don't want to grow up. I'm just going to share this quiet testimony really quickly. You know, and, and as a worship leader, we come up here, we want to sing songs, we want to encourage the congregation to sing. And I don't know what it is about these second services, just people just come in, maybe you guys have been sleeping in a little bit, but it's it, like the worship's here, and it's just thinking, man, God, man, I want to go further in worship, and I'm just going to share this testimony. I remember growing up in church, and, 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 and worship was just this, and as a young man, you're very impressionable, and we sang songs, it was old school hymns, nothing wrong with that. But that was worship. And then I came one time to a youth group. Then I see young people come up to the altars and they're crying out to God with their hands in the air. And I'm like, that was that was weird. I grew up in church my entire life and I've seen that just like, I'm not used to that. And then I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, tears coming down my face, my hands in the air saying, God, you're all I want. And I became the crazy youth. Because I had an encounter with God. I'm just telling you today, you need that encounter with God. These times of worship as a congregation, not just a worship band, but as a congregation, just worship God, sticking up our hands and say, God, this is for you. 
I'm coming here not to look normal, to blend in, but to come out and, and live out loud, amen, to worship out loud. Come on, right now, just close your eyes with me right now. I believe that word was an encouragement for some of us here in this place today. Come on, let's just all lift our hands right now. We'll just offer them the praise. We sing for you, Lord. Oh, we worship you. And I'll sing because you are good. And I'll dance because you are good. And I'll shout because you are good. Come on, sing this out. You are good to me. I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good, you are good to me. I'll sing. I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good and you are good to me. And I'll sing because you are good And I'll dance because you are good And I'll shout because you are good You are good And I'll sing because you are good And I'll dance because you are good And I'll shout because you are good And you are good to me Clap of praise in this place. Oh, hallelujah, Father, you're worthy. So worthy of our praise. Come on, now, in this attitude of worship that we just caught ourselves in. Come on. Come on, now you feel something inside of you. You feel like worshiping right now. That's the Holy Spirit. Come on, now, Father, Holy Spirit, just come in power right now. Fulfill our praise right now, Father, as we continue to sing these songs of how great you are, God. May you inhabit the praise of your people. May it come up as a fragrant offering unto you.
to just be something we just do on a Sunday, God. But we want to make them about an encounter with Jesus Christ. We want to make them an encounter with your spirit, God. In your presence is the fullness of joy right now. Father, we come right now. Sing, we're hungry, God. Sing, we're desperate for you. Sing, Father, we want more than just traditional church. Will we come and sing three songs fast, medium, and slow? Father, we want the Holy Spirit to be with us right now. Come on, church, right now. I just want you to pray right now. Come on, in your own words. Just tell God how much you need him. Tell God how much you want him. Come on. He can't force you. We can't force you. It's in your own heart right now. More, God. More Holy Spirit. Move right now. Come on, if you feel the Holy Ghost and you want him for your neighbor, just start praying for your neighbor right now in the name of Jesus. Overflow, overflow, so says that nothing comes before the Lord. Some of us are more excited about what we're going to do after when we leave this service than we are right now in the presence of God. Whatever that thing you're looking forward to after service, you give that unto the Lord right now. Say, God, that doesn't come before you. God, my job, my friends, my, my finances, that doesn't come before you right now. Jesus, just give 
Take it all away one last time. Would you just in an attitude of prayer just close your eyes from the distractions around you and, and raise your hands as a sign of surrender? And would you just take these next 60 seconds to tell God three things you want Him to have that maybe you've been holding on to or things you've given to Him before, but you just want to reiterate it today. 
Come on, Jesus, I give you my family. Take it, God. Make me the husband, the father you called me to be, Lord. I give this church to you, Jesus. Oh, God, make us the people you want us to be. Take it all, God. Make me the leader you called me to be, Jesus. Take it all, God. Take it all, God. My worries, my fears, oh, God. seconds. Have it all, God. Have it all, Jesus. My life for your glory, God. Now come on, lift up your voices and say, take it all, God. Take it all, take it all. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Won't you take it all, take it all, just give me Jesus, just give me Come on, me just one Jesus. more time with all your heart today, take it all, Jesus. Take it all, come on, take come it on, somebody give it all away just today. Just give me Jesus, just give me Jesus. Won't you take it all, God? Won't you take it all, won't you take it all? Amen. Would you just uh, hold somebody by the hand today? We're just going to pray, and we're going to believe God for miracles in this place like a family. It's not weird. It's church. Come on. Let's just hold somebody's hand. God, we thank you for bringing us all here today. We pray that you bless us. God, let nobody leave here the same way they came in. Fill us with your joy, your love, your power, your holiness. God, I pray for miracles in this house. Even for those, God, that don't think they deserve it. God, we never deserve it. That's why it's your grace. We pray for healings. We pray for new families, God. We pray, Lord, for, for God, your peace to come, your blessings, God, upon everybody here, Lord. God, I just pray that you will show up and show off today, even as you already have. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. Let's bless the Lord today. Come on, slap somebody, high five, and say Jesus loves you. We're going to play a welcome video, so just stay on your feet and greet about 10 people right now. We want you to feel like your family today, so just stay standing as this video plays, and we just welcome you all here today. God bless you.
All right, if you want to make your way back to your seat, go for it. Uh, we're so glad that everybody is here today. It's a wonderful time to be in the presence of God. I know somebody's excited. Anybody else excited to be here today? Come on. Welcome to a place where love abounds, where you are always welcome in love. This is our second service today at Metro Praise. It's our 11 o'clock service. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, if you just look at your neighbor, just say welcome. Can you do that for me, please? Thank you. I see some visitors here. We welcome you. Uh, any information you would like to have about our church is in the back. Uh, at the end of service, somebody will meet you there. And also, we're giving you some announcements right now. Uh, every Sunday, we're meeting here, 9 a.m., 11 a.m. is our second service. And Wednesdays, we have midweek prayer meetings. We call them encounter times with God. They're great to come in here in the main sanctuary, encounter God in prayer and worship. And then in the back, we do Royal Rangers and Impact, which is like Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts for Jesus. And... Uh, and in the next, not this Wednesday, but the Wednesday after that, the last Wednesday of the month, we always do a family fun day. Everybody say family fun day. Awesome. Thank you. So it's going to be a family fun day. Put that on your calendars. November 30th, watch Fireproof in here. Have games out there. We on the big screen, PS3. Uh, maybe we'll bring Modern Warfare 3. I heard Adam got it. Is it a good game, baby? It's a good game. All right. So we got some good things going on. Also, our youth are going to be doing a great thing this Friday night. So elevate. Amen. Adam, tell Amen. us what's going on, baby. This coming Friday, say, este viernes. Este viernes. Is that, is that right in Spanish? I should know I'm Hispanic. Man, Shane Walker. You're looking back at the right, gringo. God bless this, you. Yeah, this Friday we are having what's called the after party. What it is, it's a lock-in for our youth group. So we're having our normal service, which starts at 7.30. 7.30, and then we're staying the entire night up till 6 a.m., 7 a.m. in the morning. And I'm telling you, young people, this is what you've been dreaming about. I dreams. know it. It's, it's, this is it. So this Friday, come on out. Invite your friends. If you can't stay for the lock-in, we still encourage you to come for the service. I mean, God's doing great things. Amen? Amen. Amen. Dude, that is so awesome. So parents, if you just want your teenagers to get out the house, just drop them off. Amen. And you don't have to come back to the next day to get them. It's going to be a lot of fun. One of the things that I love about Adam and the, the Elevate Youth Group is that they incorporate fun with Jesus. And isn't that the best way to do it? Amen. And so, by the way, they got this Facebook promotion going on. You got this big thing. So go to the website, Adam Nieves or Elevate Chicago. And young people, just invite your friends, man. I think it would be a great time for your friends to come out. And we know there's no excuse about school and you guys missed it because there's no school Friday, amen, and there's no school Saturday. Look at your neighbor and go, that's pretty cool. You don't have to go to school, amen. All right, and also we're going to be doing something this Thursday, which is like my funnest thing in life. Everybody check this out. This Thursday, Thanksgiving, we're going to go and give thanks. We're going to give back at the West Side. Everybody say West Side. Amen. West Side, we're going to show up and show off, man, who God is to the West Side people out there. I've been going out there four years doing this on Thanksgiving, and we've been loving on the West Side Ohio Park area for about seven years now. We're going to go out Thanksgiving Day and give out turkey dinners to all the needy families out there. Amen. And so if you want to meet us, meet us at 10 o'clock. Women, I know some of you all are cooking or men who like to cook. Woo, woo, you guys are good cooks, okay? But, this, you know, if you can't make it, we understand. But we're going to show up. God's going to show off. We're going to meet here at 10, go out to Ohio Park, hand out the meals. By 1 o'clock, it's all done, okay? You can still go to Grandmama's house. I'm going to my Greek you know, mother-in-law, just have a Greek feast, you know what I'm saying? Got some gyro and some lamb. Amen. Some, some turkey there, of course. But I want to invite you guys to come. You know what? Because this is where we give back to the community. 
This is where we can show God how thankful we are by reaching out. So if you can bring food, bring it. If not, there'll be tons of food there. We work with another church. Show up here, 10, and head out to the neighborhood. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Thank you, Metro Praise, for making this possible because that's what we believe in is changing lives through relationships. And that's what our vision is. Can somebody say loving God? And can you say loving people? Thank you. You know, there was just a survey that I heard about, and it uh, made it to my email through a leadership blog. The pastors have now figured something out. And you know what they figured out? That church members don't want to be discipled. And so one of the top mistakes that they say that pastors are making is that they're pressing their people to go too far with God on a Sunday service or, or something like this. And so one of the top ten problems that pastors, they say, are having is they're, at, they're requiring people to want to join discipleship programs. Now, let me just tell you something. This is the sad state of our church, friends, when pastors are telling other pastors that part of the problem is they want to make disciples. Our church has been based on discipleship for seven years, and we're going to stay based on discipleship in Jesus' name. Amen? Because there's another statistic that goes along with that that's a lot sadder. Eighty percent of people right now claiming to be a Christian don't even go to church on Sundays. Only 20 percent of American Bible-believing people are even showing up in church. And out of that 20 percent, hardly any are even reading their Bible during the week. And now in the church, there's just as much abortion, homosexuality, any sin you can name it is finding its way into these pews as it is out there. We're no different than the world. And can I tell you why? Because we've lost the power of being disciples. Jesus Jesus didn't come to make members. He came to make disciples. And just today I have a fresh passion for this in my heart because this is our vision, to love God and to love people. And we want to connect you to the cross. Everybody say connect. Amen. The way we believe we can connect you to the cross is through our 10 life groups meeting throughout the week, seven for adults, three through youth. Is anybody excited about life groups today? Amen. Is there a church in Chicago that loves life groups? We believe you join a life group. That means you came here today. You're awesome. You're great. You came on Sunday, but it doesn't stop here. We ask you to join a life group. And when you join a life group, you can find a leader there. And you can say, would you disciple me for youth and adults? Same thing. And we begin to disciple you, train you up. And I remember just meeting with somebody this week. And the woman said to me, she said, Pastor, I love you. I want you to minister to my kids. And I said, well, what about ministering to you, Mom? She says, I don't know if I want to be one of those disciples that you talk about every week. I said, why not? She said, I'm too old. Listen to me. Old people go to hell. Old people go to hell too. Friend, grandmamas will go to hell if they don't know Jesus. Are you all tracking with me? You're never too old to get Jesus. You're never too old to be a disciple. I know old people that are tore up too, my friends. Just because you have money, just because you have a nice house, nice house doesn't mean you have it going on. I live next to somebody, their grandparents, they're beautiful, they have a beautiful home, we live in Harwood Heights, you know, they're great people. They're going to hell without Jesus, my friends. So I want to tell you, this is for old people, this is for young people. Let's be disciples of Jesus Christ. Connect to a life group. Begin to disciple. Let me tell you one of the evidences that you need to be discipled is when you think you don't need to be discipled, okay? So you come up to me and you go, I don't know if I need this. I don't know if I need this. Let me tell you, that's proof you really need this. You really, you're the one I really wanted to come through this class. And I got so passionate, passionate about this in the first service. I gave away all the books that we had. Do we have any books left? Because I was just giving them away today. Will you see if there's any 101s back there? Because today I don't want there to be any excuse about you joining with us into the vision. Somebody say connect. Thank you. So you go to a life group. You get through the 101. 
and then you go into the 201. This is a year-long class to teach you how to live like Jesus. Spiritual gifts, teaching you how to grow in Christ. You know that right now we have over 30 students in this 201 right now that's being trained up. We have over uh, 60 people right now in the 101 and over 20 graduates. This church is a discipleship church. That means upwards of 70% of our church is already doing this right now. Can you say amen? And the good part is, is I have one of my friends here today, Rudy, who's from the Wicker Park campus on Tuesday. Would you stand up, Rudy? Let's give him a hand clap. Thank you. Guess what? Rudy is already in the class right here, and he just joined the church. Come on, somebody. He is from the launch of Wicker Park. Here is one of the fruit. And Rudy on Tuesday is coming out with his friends, Jennifer and Karina, and the 20-plus that we're reaching out over there. They have already started their discipleship. Can you say amen? And we believe if we connect you to the cross, teach you the way of the cross, we will send you out with the cross to whoop the devil with the cross. Amen. If you believe we can do it, will you stand on your feet in a state of pandemonium? Shout out to the Lord. Let's do it. Hallelujah. Would you stay standing as we prepare today to receive our tithes and offerings? We believe that this church can only make it by your gifts. And I appreciate you clapping with me because we're not clapping for a man. We're clapping for Jesus. And let me just preach a little bit before I preach right now. We're going to talk about the Antichrist today. Let me tell you something, friends. You either become a disciple of Jesus now, or you're going to be getting some marks on your head and forehead. You're going to be serving another Christ, okay? So you make a choice right now. You might say, Pastor, I don't like ultimatums. Jesus gives you that ultimatum, not me. Are you listening? Jesus said to his people, he said, you repent or you perish. He said, you either sell it all or you can't follow me. Jesus was like that. He was intense. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say intense. Amen. So I want to encourage you today. Well, we're going to receive today our tithes and offerings. Thank you for your generosity. It's because of you this church is held together and the bills are paid. And uh, last month we were a little bit below but we're already tracking good this month, so please continue. We believe that a tithe belongs to the Lord. It's sacred. When we give it to God, we break greed off of our heart. We store treasures in heaven, and we can see a world change for his, his glory. Amen. I've been a tither since a little boy, and then the moment I got back with Christ, I went to, back to tithing 18 years old, and I can give you the promise the Lord has said. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. He keeps his word. Amen. And we may be in the time of an economic hardship, but video games are still top sellers. Modern Warfare 3, still a top seller. Movies are still breaking records like, like Transformers and these different movies that come out. Let's keep God first. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today that we are givers in this house because we have been receivers first. You first loved us, so now we love you back. You first gave to us our gifts and the talents, and now we give back. I ask you to bless your people here, Lord. I ask you to pour out your spirit of blessing and prosperity on them. Wisdom, God, invention and creativity, Lord, would come upon these people. Lord, our government right now is in the last moments figuring out how to cut back $1.2 trillion of debt. We pray you would give them wisdom, O oh God, and that this nation, God, would not waste its resources. Lord, we ask you to bless America, if not for one reason and one reason only. We're still the largest nation that sends out missionaries. Lord, don't turn your back on us now, God. Forgive us of our greed. And Lord, I also pray for our churches we support around the world. One particular today, Pastor Chime, has already given out our 500 books, and he's asking now for 1,000 as the Metro Praise Discipleship Vision is touching his nation of Nigeria. God, we pray for mission giving to increase 
and that, Lord, you would bless your people as they do it. And lastly, Lord, we pray for ourselves, our jobs, our families, our homes, that, God, you would watch out for us, that you would take care of us, even those looking for jobs you would provide, and that, Lord, you would bless this nation and those who protect its freedoms. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. Just I mentioned that in prayer. I want you to keep praying for Pastor Chime. I gave out those 500 books in his language. We have uh, uh, over 200 churches in four different countries and five different locations. And he's already given them out and he's asking for more. So we want to ask that we would keep giving to missions. I want to ask you to do that. And let's say this on the count of three to believe God to do it. Amen. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come? rejoicing as you give please thank you so much god bless you I just want to remind you guys that we do have one more lesson left in the end time series and we have a ton of flyers left so if you guys would like to blow this last one up for next week would you grab some of these flyers in the back today and next week's lesson is going to be on Jesus's second coming okay so please tell your friends about this and if you just want to go around the neighborhood and stick these on doors and windows and on your friends back and everything would you help us promote the church as we grow in the fall can everybody say amen Amen. Thank you so much for your help. Today's message is going to be on the Antichrist. Now, if you are new to the church, let me just tell you, we normally don't talk about the Antichrist here. Okay, we're not fixated on him. We don't make a big deal about this. But we started an end time series for the month of November, and it's been so cool. The first week we went over signs of the times, nine different signs that point to us living in the last days. So beyond any shadow of a doubt, according to our study of the Bible, my friends, are we in the last times right now? Amen. By, by any shadow of a doubt, I believe we're here. Last week we talked about end time events. And so that means we looked at events that have happened on the calendar, the greatest being the nation of Israel in 1948 with its occupancy of Jerusalem in 67. And we see that these five events have happened in this generation. Can somebody say amen to that? And without the, uh, uh, you know, we can't have a complete series about the end times without talking about the Antichrist. So that's today, and the next week is going to be the second coming. Now, the first thing that comes up when we begin to talk about the Antichrist is everybody wants to guess who is the Antichrist, okay? And I'm glad today it's not your neighbor, amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad it's not you. Okay, so don't be looking at your neighbor all weird. Is that my neighbor? Okay, no, it's not your neighbor. And it's not these folks up here. But let's talk about some of the folks that get the tag quite a bit. Um, one of my favorites, and maybe possibly yours, Oprah Winfrey, uh, gets that tag quite a bit, the Antichrist. And uh, one of the reasons why is because she's such a media mogul and she's changed the face of Christianity into something new age. And there's actually people who literally believe she is the Antichrist. Now, as you're going to learn today, there are plural Antichrist 
plural anti, or excuse me, false prophets that the Bible says will come. And so I believe all of these people fit into that category. Oprah Winfrey has changed the gospel message on her TV show. She's had an ecumenical version, which means everybody in everybody's way gets to heaven. Many roads lead to the top of the mountain. And that is a false message to a, uh, about a false Christ. It's not the real Jesus. Amen. And the Bible talks about there being another Jesus. Galatians chapter 1 talks about don't believe in another type of Jesus. But is she the one that's going to bring this whole thing down in balls of fire? No, she is not the one. Now the next one who gets, uh, in every generation people love to go after these guys, is the Roman Catholics and especially the Pope. Anybody ever thought he was the Antichrist? Okay, a couple of you, amen. Now let me help you uh, understand that. They get off the hook for not being the Antichrist, but they don't get so far off the hook because me, along with a lot of evangelicals all the way back to the Reformers, we believe that uh, the Roman Catholic Church is the whore of Babylon. Now, I <laughs> now you know that's a former Catholic that shouts out, woo, when they hear that, okay? I'm free, I'm liberated, woo! Okay, now before you think I'm an idiot and I hate all Catholics, listen to me. My family comes from Catholicism. My own father, who was a Catholic, taught me this, okay? So don't think it's anything personal, okay? What we have believed as evangelicals, and the whore is not a cursing where it's in your Bible, King James, NIV, what we would have today is the prostitute. Now, the reason why we believe this, and we don't have time to talk about this, but there's many figures in the old, uh, in the uh, end times, okay? And one of them is the whore of Babylon. And the Bible says it's a she. She rides upon a, uh, what does she ride upon? Anybody want to help me? A beast, a bull, thank you. It rides upon a bull, and it's, it's labeled as a beast. She is clothed in scarlet, which is purple, symbol of royalty. She rules the nations, and then she kills Christians and gets drunk off their blood. And if you follow through history, you will see what the Roman Catholic Church has done has killed Christians. And if you look at the Reformation, they burned Christians alive. They took away the Bibles. It was illegal to have the Bible in another language other than Latin. Okay, this is truth. It happened. Now, once again, this doesn't mean grandma and mama who are going out to, uh, you know, Christmas Christers, Eastern Christmas Catholic Mass, doesn't mean they're the whore that, uh, of Babylon. Are you all tracking with me? We're talking about the organization throughout history. Books have been written by this. And then the Bible says that she takes the nations and she prostitutes herself with them. And if you study the Roman Catholic history, how it's wiggled its way into every nation and to try to get into a political relationship with leaders, you'll see it has done with compromise. And probably the biggest, the most blood-stained that they have on their hands is their relationship with Nazi Germany in the Holocaust. If you, if you don't believe me, just Google it. I'm not saying believe everything you Google. I'm just saying we can give you some good links you can read from scholars who attribute much of what happened to the Holocaust, to Roman Catholicism turning uh, a deaf ear to their cries, and also forwarding the agenda of obliterating the Jews, okay? So that is pretty serious, and we don't have time to talk about that. Uh, now, the next one down here is Marilyn Manson. Now, of course, uh, he gets the, re the award for being the most creative blasphemer of our times. I mean, you got to give him credit. There he is, uh, offending Catholics and uh, Protestants alike, uh, pretending to be Jesus. Now, uh, Marilyn Manson uh, takes his name from Marilyn Monroe and Charles Manson, rock and roll, death metal, uh, electronic uh, alternative guy. Uh, here he is upside down cross making fun of the sacred heart of Jesus. Now, 
When we say plural false prophets, plural false Christ, he would certainly fall under that category. He blasphemes God, he hates God, and he certainly wants to have people worship him outside of God, but can't be the uh, person we're going to be talking about today. Then uh, here is somebody who actually loves to take the 666 literally and call himself Jesus. His name is uh, uh, Jesus Luis also known as Jesus of Puerto Rico. He claims to be the second coming of Christ. He lives in Miami. I guess that's where Jesus wants to live on his second coming. Uh, he's just like any old cult leader out there. He loves to drink, smoke, and be with the ladies. And uh, he has even uh, you know, opportunities for more women to join with him. He's just a cult leader. About 10,000 people follow him. But what he does is he takes the mistranslation uh, of Antichrist, and he changes the word anti to another. So he literally says, I'm another Christ. I'm a good guy and so then he willingly and joyfully takes the labels of the antichrist in the bible so he has 666 written on him his followers have 666 written on them tattoos etc but um of course he can't be the guy we're talking about and then of course there's always the modern day presidents of america and uh barack obama is no different he gets to be called the antichrist and george bush etc and one of the reasons why uh, the presidents of America get called uh, the Antichrist, which I don't see a lot of truth in this, but one of the reasons why a lot of the Christians, even in America, will go there is because they'll say, you know, America could be like that whore of Babylon prostituting itself with the nations and then getting drunk off of blood because we invade countries. But, uh, you know, even then it still wouldn't fit because we have a majority Christian rule, uh, a Christian population, even though they don't read their Bible, go to church, don't want to be discipled, but there's nothing really satanic in the sense of us as a nation, our president, uh, good or bad, however you think about him, I don't think he's the Antichrist. Now, here's the good part about today's lesson. I'm not going to give you a person who I think the Antichrist is. I'm not going to create another fallacy like everybody else out there is trying to create fallacies, okay? So if you're like, oh, I'm disappointed now. I wanted to know it was Ahmadinejad from Iran or something, okay? You guys can go home over the coffee table and guess who you think the Antichrist is. Pin the tail on the Antichrist. Maybe fun game today or for Thanksgiving, boom, you just pin it on people. Now, we don't believe as Christians that we're going to know until the last minute. I'm going to show you why today. But what we can know is a whole lot of things about him from four different people, Daniel, Jesus, Paul, and John. If you're ready, can you say I'm ready? Amen. Let's learn about the Antichrist, Daniel. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 7. Verse 24, and if this doesn't keep young people's attention, I don't know what to do, amen? Because I was talking to some youth at the end. They're like, that was the coolest method, Pastor. Oh, it's so cool. Because, you know, like they just get all crazy about the Antichrist, you know? And it's like it's in video games and all this. And by the way, prophecy in the Bible comes before Lord of the Rings. It comes before Star Wars. This was here a lot longer, okay? I mean, this is the cool stuff right here. As a matter of fact, when you begin to read Daniel, you're going to think that Daniel is a New Testament book. But everybody track with me right here. Daniel, that guy who went to the lion's den, he's in the country of Babylon writing this 500 years before Jesus, okay? So that's 2,500 years before our time. And when you read Daniel, it's like you're reading what's going on in the newspapers right now. Because somebody go, ooh. Thank you for helping me preach. Next time, do that on your own. Amen. So just when I preach, just go, ooh, ooh, ah. Okay, Daniel chapter 7, verse 24. Here we are. Let's read it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time times and half a time 
Okay, so the basic idea here is we're catching Daniel in verse 24. I wish to God I could preach everything in context, but you would be here till next week, okay? So I have got to, like, take cuts and pieces out of these uh, texts. We're already in verse 24 of chapter 7, so there's many verses before this building up to this. But basically the passage I just read is explaining, God is explaining to Daniel the world kingdoms that will come after him. Now remember last week we learned that Daniel was told, the things that I'm telling you Shut up in a book until the last days, then reveal them when knowledge is increasing. And we learn that knowledge is increasing in this generation more than in any other generation before. It's doubling every year. And by the year, they say 2012, we'll have a computer that can out-calculate the brain and be stronger than the human mind. Is everybody listening to me? We saw that last week. It wasn't even a Christian website. Okay? Now, what Daniel is saying here is a part of his prophecy because he was in the nation of Babylon, which was a world-dominating empire. God shows him out of a statue what empires are going to dominate the world after him. He has shown that the, that the Babylonian Empire is going to be taken over by the Persians, then by the Greeks, and then by the Roman Empire. Now, you've got to listen to me. After the Roman Empire, for the last 2,000-plus years, or excuse me, 1,000, you know, 800 years, Roman Empire going into the Ottoman Empire sometime around the 5th, 5th 6th century, there has never been an empire taking over the whole world. So Daniel is shown all the empires, and then he showed the last empire. Now, sometimes people like to say America is that last empire, but we're not controlling the world like how Rome controlled the world. Is everybody tracking with me? Like how Babylon controlled the world, like how Persia did. And so Daniel gets a picture right here of what the last world empire is going to look like. And remember, he was told to shut up the book until the end times. That means the Antichrist is going to be the governor, the leader of this last world empire. Can somebody say amen? I mean, just track with me. Thank you. Now let's go to chapter 8, verse 23, just kind of taking the chunks out of here as best as I can. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a stern-faced king, a master of intrigue, will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause outstanding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the mighty men and the holy people. Verse 25, he will cause deceit to prosper, and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. How many know that? That's going to be a mistake. To take a stand against the prince of princes, amen? Anybody ever see Jesus in this right here, prince of princes? Okay, now it says he will be destroyed, but not by human power. Let me just give you what Daniel's talking about right here in the passage you just read. 17 points about the Antichrist. By the time this message is done, you're going to hear about 40 points about the Antichrist. Everybody go, oh, yeah. Yeah, welcome to church, baby. Come on. Okay, number one, he will come from 10 kings that will rule the world. Now, some people have thought that he is going to come from the European Union, which is the European countries that have begun to join together. There's two reasons why it couldn't be the European Union. Number one, the European Union doesn't dominate the world. Number two, the European Union has more than 10 people in it as leaders. How we guess that this will be is if you look at the world today in regions, you could probably point out about 10 region, regions, and if they were to appoint leaders, these regions would have 
about 10 in the world, meaning the region of China, the region of Russia, the region of the Middle East, the region of Europe in the European Union, the region of India, the region of the islands that are down there, the region of Australia, the region of Latin America, the region of North America, and the region of somebody else that I can't think of right now, maybe Antarctica, okay? And so if you just look out across the map, you could see how fairly simply there could be 10 regions, 10 kings. Are you all tracking with me? This is where he comes from. Y'all lost already on point one. If you're tracking, you can say, I'm tracking. If you're not, just say, help me. Okay, somebody help your neighbor. Look at him. Try to help him right now. Just like, help. Them. Okay, so follow with me. The Antichrist coming from ten kingdoms. Can't be the European Union. Doesn't rule the world, and there's more than ten. Everybody with me? Okay, I've already done first service sometimes. I'm like, really fast like this. That's why I don't drink caffeine. Could you imagine me on caffeine? We're done. Okay. Ten, ten kingdoms he comes out of. Now watch. Number two, he will subdue three kingdoms. Now let me just jump ahead and I'm going to show you this later. But let me tell you possibly what will happen to make all of this come together like this. We believe, and we're going to talk about this next week, in a pre-tribulation rapture. Even if you don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, it's okay, but let me explain it to you. Okay? That means the Antichrist, he's going to start seven years of tribulation and seven years of trouble upon this earth, and God's judgments are going to rain down the last three and a half. Those who believe in pre-tribulation rapture simply mean before the Antichrist takes over and does all of this, we're called up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, just follow me through on this thinking. There's about a billion-plus Christians right now, okay? Let's say we keep doing the end-time harvest and we get at least half the people confess Jesus as Lord. They love Jesus. Seven billion on the earth, half go to heaven. 3.5 billion are still down here. Now imagine in one day, 3.5 billion people, bam, are missing, right? They've been caught up to heaven. Now what do you have? You have global just chaos going on. Anybody ever read Tim LaHaye's series, Left Behind? Come on, this is kind of the evangelical stance on these things. You can get the movies. Kurt Cameron, he's in. He's pretty cool, amen. Um, now, here's the idea. Now, imagine world goes into chaos, billions of people missing. This leader may replace another leader. Who knows, because that one might have been caught up. But what he does is he now begins to be wise and shrewd, and he gets to the point, and he organizes. But three of these kings start to have problems with him, so he subdues them. Now, imagine if he subdued China if he subdued Russia, and if he subdued the Middle East in one battle of one kind, okay, immediately the world would look to him to be some kind of a genius peacekeeper because now China's not a threat, communism is over, and all the wars we're seeing in the Middle East have just been solved. Now this gives him a place to do all of this. And you're living in a generation that if we were raptured right now, within six months this could all be said and done and people taking his mark. Hello. Just on point two of 17, got a lot of places to go today. Are you all tracking with me? Come on. Did you guys eat your spiritual Wheaties this morning? No, come on. This is how we're going to go through the Bible today. And then we're going to put a little hip into it. I don't want to cause anybody to stumble, you know what I'm saying? But I'm just, you know, Lord, we're not pastor be shaking them hips. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Okay. Uh, number three, he will speak against the Most High. So when he gets into that, he gets into that position, he's now going to say, hey, guys, I, I don't, we don't need God. I'm God. And that's why I say that Oprah Winfrey opens the door for this. If you haven't seen this and you love Oprah, just hook, hook me up on Facebook. I'll show you some of her, her teachings on how God is in all of us. We are all God. Very pantheistic, meaning God is everything. Uh, number four, he will oppress the saints. 
Now, according to a pre-tribulation rapture theory, the, the, the major majority of Christians have already left, and so those who are left behind are now going to be scrambling trying to get saved. So imagine you come to church and nobody's here, you know, and you're like, oh, what happened? You know, and you're like, bing, the rapture, nobody's here. So you start reading your Bible. See, now the problem is you're just a small little puny minority, and the, uh, the Antichrist is going to start killing all those Christians left behind. It will not be a time of revival. It's going to be a time of mass slaughtering, beheading. Are you all trying? with me you don't want to be left behind I've actually had people tell me if God is true and all this happens then I'll become a Christian then my friends there's no guarantee you're even going to have a chance to become a Christian then there is going to be an, uh, the Bible says a delusion that will come and people will believe a lie don't have time to get into that don't have time but I wish I do somebody remind me about the 12th Iman and we'll talk a little bit about the Islamic Christ is actually the false Christ don't have time though uh, but look at that number four uh, no come on can I just get a little bit right here come on right here I love it amen amen front row let's give it up for the front row this morning come on and you're like, oh, I could sit in the front row if I wanted to. Don't hate. Don't you hate in the back row. Don't you be hating back there. Okay, look at number five. He will try to change the set times and the laws. Now, what's going to be cool about him and everybody's going to love is that we have this A.D. and B.C. time scale. What most people think is that this is going to be such a revolution in how we think and how the world is going to be governed that he's actually going to start a new calendar system based upon the time the world became one. So you know how we think A.D., B.C.? He's going to say day one starts now. He's going to actually change calendar days and times to fit with his world empire. And world empires in the past did these types of things. Uh, then going on down to number six, he will kill the, the saints will be handed over to him for three and a half years. Remember, time is one, times is two time, and then a half of a time is .5. So add that up. Three and a half years. Number seven, he will rise out of rebellion and wickedness. Now, this is what we see upon the earth right now. We see wickedness upon the earth. We see rebellion. And so imagine if there's a rapture, there's chaos. He arises out of that. Look what the Bible calls him. He will be a stern-faced king and a master of intrigue. So he's not going to be dumb. He's going to be very smart, and he's going to be stern-faced. So imagine, bam, he conquers these three nations. He's so smart and so wise, these other seven kings aren't going to want to stand up against them. They're all just going to get whipped into shape and come into line. Uh, number 10, he will become very strong, but not by his own power. Now, this is what I happen to believe. Like Judas, Judas is a type and a shadow of an antichrist because Judas was against Jesus and led to his crucifixion. But if you study the life of Judas and what he was trying to do, chances are what Judas was trying to do was from a good standpoint at first, meaning the Jews felt that the Messiah should come, conquer the Roman Empire, and set up Jerusalem as their kingdom and then rule from New Jerusalem with the Messiah sitting on the throne of David. Everybody tracking with me? Okay, but Jesus, he's a gentle, lion, a gentle lamb. He's not fighting anybody. He's not lifting up his voices. He's not starting a revolution. So now track with me here. Judas says, this Jesus ain't fighting nobody. This Jesus is not doing anything but just getting pushed around. What if I started the fight? What if I got somebody to try to arrest Jesus? Then Jesus, as the Messiah, would be forced to fight. 
You see, and this is where we get into a little bit of Ahmadinejad in Iran. See, he believes in Jesus coming back. See, Muslims believe in Jesus coming back, but their Jesus kills Jews and Christians. So actually, if you want to know where Muslims are going to be in the end times, Muslims are going to be worshiping the Antichrist because their Antichrist in the Quran is described as a Christ to them. Where When Jews and Bibles and Christians start being burned and all of that, that's when they get happy. So anyways, what does Ahmadinejad want to do? He wants to start blowing up Israel bringing down the Christ in his mind, bringing Christ from heaven by starting a war. That's literally what he wants to do. And this is what we feel Judas was most likely doing. Now track with me Antichrist here. What he will probably be doing during this time is preparing himself to govern, to bring peace. He will be thinking like Barack Obama, not being Barack Obama, but like him, let's bring change. Like like how Hitler was convincing to the German people. You know, Hitlerism and, and Nazism was fun if you were German. You know, you get what I'm saying? He convinced the people this is the right thing, but not knowing what it was going to look like. The people didn't know it was going to look like mass devastation, but they convinced others. And so what will probably happen is he's a stern-faced king, he's a master of intrigue, he'll do something to convince everybody this is the best thing to do while they're actually being in genocide across the planet. Are you all tracking? Uh, if you're not tracking, just uh, greet the tape now. I can't help you from this point. But just hear my heart when I say this. Most, More than likely, Judas thought he was doing a good thing until the Last Supper when he was possessed by Satan, and then he was out of his control at that moment, and that's why he hung himself. More than likely, the Antichrist will see himself as a good person until the last moments when Satan will possess him. It will be too late, and then the spirit of delusion will come upon those who thought it was going to be a good thing. Okay. Now, number 10, it says he'll become very strong, but not by his own power. That's what we believe is him being possessed by Satan. Number 11, he will cause outstanding devastation. What will happen around the three-and-a-half-year mark is that people are going to turn against him. And the biggest thing that's going to cause people to turn against him is the way he reacts with Israel. And I don't have time to get into it here. We'll get into it in just a minute. But the bottom line is when he gets angry, he's going to try to blow up the whole world. He's going to try to take over the world in anger and violence, very much like the way Hitler did in his little world. You see, the Germans thought that Hitlerism and Nazism was something that would come passively for people's own good. But by the time it turned violent and Jews were being thrown into furnaces, the the uh, the Jewish, their German people could not stop him at that point. And so this is probably what's going to happen with uh, the Antichrist as well. Now, here's something that needs to put some fear in us. He will succeed in whatever he does. There will be a sense that we cannot stop him. There will be no authority. There will be no revolution against him. Nothing will work. He will continue to conquer. Uh, number 13, he will destroy mighty men and holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper. He will consider himself superior. He will destroy destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes and here's the good news right here he will be destroyed but not by human power somebody say jesus amen now let's go to what jesus has to say how many love jesus here this morning amen like i said we're not fixated on the antichrist we love the real christ amen but just some things to think about as we learn about him. Now, Jesus, of course, talks about him in Matthew chapter 24, 15 and onward. He says, so when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation. Now, remember that right there, abomination that causes desolation. Spoken of through the prophet Daniel. See, isn't this awesome? Jesus is talking about what Daniel prophesied 500 years ago is going to be what happens in our last days. You see how awesome Daniel is?
one of the greatest prophets of our, of our Bible. Let the reader understand, verse 16, and let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. And then it goes on to verse 18. Let no one go in the field back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women, nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or the Sabbath, for then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now. Okay? This is going to be a great distress. Somebody say great distress. Thank you. And never be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ, plural, you see that? And false prophets, plural, will appear, perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. How many are happy Jesus is telling us something ahead of time? Amen. So it's not like by accident here. Jesus knew it was going to happen. Now let's track with Jesus here. Jesus says, watch out for the abomination of desolation spoken in Daniel. 500 years before Jesus' time, Daniel said there would be an abomination that causes desolation. What does this mean, abomination? It means in the temple of God, there is an abomination that desecrates and, and destroys the holiness of that temple. In Daniel's time, the abomination of desolation that the people witnessed was in 133 B.C. by Antonisius Epinus, who was basically of the Greek Empire, went into the Jewish temple, put up a statue of Zeus on the holy place, and then sacrificed a pig, which is unclean to Jewish people, and spilt its blood all over the altar. That's an abomination. You all tracking with me? That's desolation. That makes the temple desolate. It puts Ichabod against the temple, which means in Hebrew, God's glory departs. So they grieve the power of God in that temple by setting up a statue to Zeus and sacrificing a pig. That would be like us going to Mecca, putting up a picture of a Barack Obama, and then sacrificing a pig. This would cause an abomination of desolation. Now, Jesus, in about 30 A.D., looks back to Daniel, and he says, Guys, there's going to be an abomination of desolation that will happen here. Within 40 years, the Jewish temple is destroyed. That's one of the signs that we went over in week one. And that temple was destroyed, and they desolated it. But both Daniel and Jesus describe a third desolation that is unparalleled to the first desolation that Daniel was talking about before Jesus or the one after Jesus where it was the destruction of that temple in Jerusalem. This third one, look at the words of Jesus, says there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now. Now what does this mean? What this means simply is that, first of all, the Jews have to go back to their land to be able to build a temple for an Antichrist to desolate it. Is everybody with me? That means when 70 A.D. that temple was destroyed, Jewish people were, were kicked out of their land. Jews have not had occupancy of their land since uh, the 70 A.D. When 1948 came around and they got back their land, prophecy began to be fulfilled. Are you tracking with me? Now, where are you going to put the temple? In Jerusalem. 1967, they got back Jerusalem. I want you to think about this. Jesus says there's going to be a third desolation. 
It's going to be unequal to anything on the planet. And your generation is living at a time that no other generation since Jesus' time has had where Jewish people are in Israel with Jerusalem under their occupancy able to build a temple. Are you all listening to me? This could happen within moments. Now, Excuse me, some people believe that the Dome of the Rock covers the Temple Mount of where the Jewish people would have to build. That is a mosque right now, and that would be a big problem. But the Antichrist will figure out a way for it still to happen. So that means he is going to be able to allow the Jews to build their temple, and then eventually he'll desecrate it. That's what Jesus is talking about. Now, when he comes to this temple... How will he desecrate it? Paul will get into it in just a moment, but I'll give it to you in a little summary form. He will come there, and he will offer a sacrifice to himself, and he will declare himself God. So imagine right now the Jewish people rebuild their temple. They're worshiping God of Israel, waiting for their Messiah to come back. This Antichrist figure goes into their temple, the holy place, sacrifices to himself, tells the Jewish people, I am your Messiah. At this time, the Bible says that 12,000 from each tribe are going to rebel against him. That's going to be 144,000 in total. Don't believe the Jehovah Witnesses who teach you only 144,000 go to heaven. That is a misinterpretation of the 144,000 in the Bible. The 144,000 are 12,000 Jews from each tribe that when they see the Antichrist desecrate the temple, they turn and run and they start becoming evangelists before they're destroyed and killed. Now, what he's warning about, what Jesus says here, is run for the hills is because those Jewish people are going to probably have some underground Bible and they're going to have smuggled one and they're going to read it and now they're going to believe in Jesus and they're going to realize we missed him the first time. This is fulfillment of prophecy. And what is the word that Jesus is now giving the Jews of that time? Run, get out of Jerusalem. Why? Because what's going to happen in Jerusalem? The Antichrist is going to want to destroy Jerusalem. And if the days were not cut short, he would destroy every single Jewish person on the planet. But praise God, Jesus doesn't allow him to do it. And then number three, he will deceive many to think he is the Christ. So all of these false Christs and false prophets are preparing the way for one ultimate false Christ. Are you tracking with me? Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Come on, let's keep going. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and hear what Paul has to say. If you're learning, can somebody say, I'm learning? Amen. We're going to summarize here at the end, but I wanted you to learn about this. And why is it important that we learn about the Antichrist? Because his spirit, the, the, the attributes of how he's acting is upon this earth right now. And we need to avoid these types of ways of behaving and the ways that leaders may be acting like this. We need to stay away from uh, things that would be Antichrist. And then we need to warn our friends that if they don't accept the Christ of the Bible, they will be forced to serve in the Antichrist kingdom. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul gets down, and I think he fits it all together. It's so awesome. Somebody say, awesome. Thank you. Okay, here he goes. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letters supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Now, let me just pause right here. Jehovah Witnesses believe, I think in 1905, there was a coming back of the Lord. He came back in spirit. That's a lie. That Harold Camping guy, May 21st, he said the reason why we didn't see him, he came back in spirit. All of this is a lie. People making all of these prophecies about it is a lie. That's what Paul is talking about. Now, verse 3, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. See, a lot of people want to deceive you right now. For that day will not come 
until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. So the way Paul is going to refer to the Antichrist is by the title, man of lawlessness. Verse 4, he will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Hello, somebody. Are you all reading the Bible with me today? Come on, there it is. See, we couldn't have had an Antichrist bring abomination to the temple unless there is a temple. That's what Jesus was talking about. It's a third abomination of a Jewish temple. Guess what? It's not built yet, but the Jewish people are preparing the way to build it. Some people say that they have all of the utensils, everything they need. All they need is the temple mount. So this means, once again, the estimate that we would have, if, if the rapture would happen in our, in our day right here, within six months all of this could happen. The Jewish people would get the peace. The Antichrist would arise. They would build their temple like you would have never seen anything built. They're going to get it built. And before you know it, this three and a half years of tribulation would happen. It's right upon us. Verse 5, don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. So are you glad you're in a church like Paul that tells you these things? Okay, that's what Paul did. If Paul talked about the Antichrist, I guess we have to too. Okay, verse 6. And now you know what is holding him back. So something right now is holding back the Antichrist. Why doesn't he disappear? Why doesn't he just do it? Because there's something holding him back. So that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. Does everybody see that? So his spirit, that spirit of Satan, is already at work. But the one now who holds it back will continue to do so till he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus Christ will overthrow. Check this out right here. With the breath of his mouth, the breath of his mouth, and destroyed by the splendor of his coming. So just track with me right here. This is how pretty much it can look like as we see according to the Bible. The Antichrist, he showed up in Jerusalem. He has now defiled the temple. The Jewish people are running away. He gets angry. He wants to destroy them. He brings together a billion-person army, and he now wants to destroy all of Israel, all of God's people. Are you tracking with me right here? Now, when Jesus Christ splits open the heavens riding a white horse, do you know what the Antichrist does with his billion-person army? They point their weapons towards Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus just goes, the breath of his mouth. Not because he's got stinky breath, but the breath of his mouth. He knocks them out. And you know what the Bible says? I mean, it sounds funny, but you know what the Bible says? The breath of his mouth, the splendor of his terror kills 300 million people. In one instant, the blood is as high as a horse's head. For 144 miles. So imagine a river of blood from here to Rockford as high as a horse's head. But what is happening at that moment? The Antichrist and his army, nuclear warfare, whatever they have, actually aim their weapons towards Christ and his coming. But Jesus will overthrow him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. That's a good place to say amen, somebody. Come on, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. Now listen to me, my friends. Just track with me. So boom, we go up in the air in a rapture. What would be a plausible definition or a plausible theory to tell people what happened to 3.5 billion of us? Beam me up, Scotty. 
You ever think about that? Beam me up, Scotty. Chances are he'll say aliens have abducted us. The Bible then says that the abyss is opened up in the hordes of Satan. The demons come from the abyss. Now imagine this right now. Demons will appear as your relatives from time to time. Uh, you know, demons will come and manifest in, Satan, in satanic seances. But do you know why demons right now are not just appearing and showing themselves? Because they know there's people like us who love to cast out demons. And we will run up in that place and start casting out demons. One of us can cast out a legion of them like it's just nothing. Are you tracking with me? A legion is 5,000 demons, okay? We go overseas, we cast out demons, they scream, they harp, but they got to go. So right now, demons are in secret. They're in hiding. But imagine now all of the believers are gone. The Antichrist has come. He says we've been abducted by aliens, and here they are, and he's hanging out with them. But they're actually manifestations of demons in the person, in the flesh, or in, the, or in the, the image of people, but they are demon spirits. And now he starts doing miracles. The Bible says he even has a real resurrection. You remember like in the times of Pharaoh with, with the Egyptians and Moses, they imitated, and it wasn't magic. It says it's demonic power that imitated all the signs that God's people were doing. Now imagine this upon the earth, demons posing as aliens. People are worshiping them. There's signs and wonders being done all over the earth. They're actually making statues talk. They make images talk. They heal. They do miracles. They even, they even manipulate the weather. And now you'll understand why I'm so concerned about you. Because verse 11, for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe a lie. And so all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but delighted in wickedness. Why am I talking about it? Why are we talking about it today? Because you're not delighting in God. You're not delighting in truth. You will be handed over to Satan. God himself will send the delusion. The Bible says God sends them a powerful delusion. And people ask me all the time, what do you think is going to happen with the one billion Muslims? Muslims, my friends, are superstitious. Muslims have a prophecy about a Christ coming that acts just like the Antichrist. When the Muslims see the Christians and the Jews being killed and Bibles being burned, they're going to start rejoicing. And the moment they start seeing demons show up, just like one showed up to their prophet in the appearance of an angel Gabriel that was a demon they're going to start worshiping the demons just like everybody else because Islam is just an outgrowth of Middle Eastern a barbaric demon worship that's what Mecca was way before Muhammad ever became a prophet it was demon worship to false gods they had over 500 idols in Mecca they did the Hajj all of that was well before Muhammad documented have it amen and so my friends all these people following Oprah. See, Oprah says you have God within you. Oprah says you, there's, there's, there's more than one way to Jesus. See, those people who have turned their back on the truth, God's going to send them a delusion. And they're going to start seeing miracles. Imagine all these new age people, all the Brad Pitts and all these people who love to go to these sweat houses in Nevada, all this new age horoscope. Imagine now, instead of, you know, what was the African-American lady's name? What was she named? Miss Cleon or whatever her name was. She had a little... 1-900 number, instead of just seeing, you know, the psychic of the stars, 
you're actually going to see demons appearing with these psychics. And so there's going to be three main figures. There's going to be the dragon, that is Satan, and he's going to work through the Antichrist. And then the Antichrist is going to have a false prophet. And my friends, signs and wonders will be upon this earth that the Bible says if it wasn't for God shortening these times, that even the elect, even people like those 144,000 Jews could be converted themselves. It will be so powerful of a delusion. And it says, and so all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. What did Paul teach us? Number one, he will come from rebellion in the church and nations. What a better time than right now. The Bible says there will be wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation. Isn't that what you're seeing all over the world right now? Whether it's China fighting with the people of, of their nation, the, the, uh, the communists fighting with uh, the, you know, the falling apart of Soviet Union, whether it's the African nations fighting against themselves, whether it's the Arab Spring and all the uprising, the Arab nations, whether it's what's going on in these uh, the, the Latin American drug cartels and, and the different things that we see with gangs and violence in our city. He's going to come out of violence and confusion, and he's going to seem to have bring a peace. There's, there's wars and religion right now. He's going to seem to have answers it all by saying that there's this this government that he's setting up and this way of worshiping God and what we see is that throughout the time world empires deified their emperors and so he will take on that position as God just like Caesar did just like the the king of Babylon did how do you think Shadrach Meshach and Abednego got into the the fiery furnace they wouldn't bow down to the image these things will be resurrected in a world dominating way are you listening to me there's emperor worship right now in North Korea there was just recently emperor worship in China just a few decades ago there was emperor worship it will happen again. Number two, he will be a man of lawlessness. So he's going to be against the things of God. And, and what, what do you see right now? All of this lawlessness in the church, homosexual bishops, you know, the legalizing of same-sex marriages, the church is a part of all this. He will come out of that. Number three, he will be a man doomed to destruction. There's no way he can be saved. He will be lost forever. Just like Judas, he will hang himself on his own noose. Uh, figuratively, he will die by his own ways. Okay, he will go to hell. Number four, he will pose and exalt himself over everything that's God or his worship. So he's going to exalt himself above Jesus Christ, above God. Number five, he will set himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. And we've already talked about that. So he's going to show up in a Jewish rebuilt temple and say, here I am. He's going to blaspheme that temple. Jews are going to scatter. He's going to get upset because they're leaving. And he's going to bring a billion-man army against Jerusalem. And this is what brings us to Armageddon. Got to come next week for that. Um, now, here we go. Number six. He will be held, by, held back by the church. Now, it says he cannot be revealed because the one who holds him back will continue to do so until it's taken out of the way. And for those of us who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, that means we believe the Christians will not be here for the tribulation. The reason why we believe we miss it is because it could not happen until we leave as a force, as an army. Because right now, the Bible says all authority in heaven on earth belongs to Jesus. And who did he give that to? His church. Like I said, can demons manifest and walk around now? No. Could world leaders try to do this in China and these different nations? No. There's so many believers that would revolt. That's why we have the American Revolution. We revolted against the empiricalistic tendencies of England because of Christian morals, that, of freedom, and God has given us all the right of life, love, and pursuit of happiness. Okay, and so what happens? The church taken out the way, now he shows himself. That's what we believe. Now, number seven, until the church is taken out the way, he will work in secret. 
See, that's why I believe I don't even think he knows who he is right now. I think if the Antichrist is alive right now, he is doing community work, he's working in governments, and he's doing it all with a clear conscience for the betterment of the people. In his mind, I don't believe right now that he even knows who he is yet. Until the church has been taken out of the way, until he rises up with the answers, kings fight against them, he oppresses them, and then he becomes the son of Satan, the spawn of the devil. Then he becomes that hideous figure known as the Antichrist. Some of you don't want to go that far. The bottom line is he's in secret right now. So he's not going to be out there like an Oprah Winfrey. He's not going to be there like an, uh, you know, the guy from Iran. He is in secret waiting just for that moment to be revealed. At that moment, for such a time as this, there he'll come. That's what I think. Okay, number eight, he will be defeated. This is what we know. Come on, somebody. By Jesus, the Lord will overthrow him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of a coming. Are you ready for one more? Can we read the Bible today? How many want to hear from John the Apostle? Come on, let's go to Revelation chapter 13. How many are happy for the web tape ministry right now? You can go back and listen to the video, get the tape, download it. Amen. Some of y'all are just like, man, I don't care. I hope you do care, amen. I mean, I could have talked about how you can become rich now and your best life now. I mean, come on, guys. I'm trying to teach you the Bible this morning, amen. I mean, I could have taught you something that, you know, you, you feel like you need. But this is what God says we need. God says we need to know about Jesus talked about the Antichrist. Daniel did. I mean, Paul did. Come on. It's, it's to encourage us in these last days. I, I hope that you're encouraged, okay. John chapter 13, and we'll also go to John chapter 16. Once again, can't get into all of it, but we're just taking out the passages that I think relate to this the best. Okay, Revelation chapter 13, uh, going on into verse 5. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemy, blasphemies to exercise his authority for 42 months. How many years is 42 months? Three and a half. Where did we hear about three and a half from? Daniel. Remember Daniel? A time, times, a time and a, a half a time. Here it is, 42 months. Remember I taught you last week that Daniel is the closest book to Revelation. There is no other book that parallels Revelation as much as Daniel. Verse 6, he opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. He was given authority. Now listen, this is what I was talking about, why the church needs to be out of the way. Because who has the authority on earth right now, my friends? Who has the, but who did Jesus give the authority to? He gave it to the church. So the church has the authority over the nations to do what? Make disciples of the nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you until the very end of the age. Amen? But here we see that now he, the Antichrist, is given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Remember, it's God who sends the delusion to the people. So God is using him as his own instrument. That's a whole other discussion. Verse 8, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the lamb that was slain from the, crown, the foundation of the creation of the world. Now going on to chapter 16, verses uh, 16, or excuse me, chapter 13, verse 16 and onward. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark. This is probably the most famous description of the Antichrist, which is the name of the beast 
or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number, his number is 666. Now let's summarize what John is talking about right here. What John is saying is that the Antichrist will utter proud words and blasphemies. We've already heard about that, amen? We've heard about how he's going to come to the temple, how he's going to blaspheme the temple. He's going to make himself God and to be worshipped. Number two, he will exercise his authority for 42 months. Daniel prophesied the same thing, first three and a half years. We believe that the whole tribulation period is seven years, but he loses control after the first three and a half because he goes against Jerusalem, and that's when all the plagues and all the angels come down with the bowls of wrath. And you'll learn more about that timeline next week as we talk about Jesus' second coming. Number three, he will be given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. We've already talked about that. Number four, he will be given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Number five, he will have all the inhabitants of the earth worship him. See, Revelation, see, some of us think Revelation is the only book to talk about this. Now that we've read Daniel, heard Jesus' word, and Paul, isn't this just confirmation to everything we've just heard? See, some of you naively thought Revelation was the only book. No, Daniel, 500 years before Jesus, already covered it. Jesus covered it. And by the time you get past Paul and his epistles, you already basically know what's going on. Revelation simply gives us the time scale and the way in which it will happen. That's next week's message. Now, here's something new that we didn't hear. He will force everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his hand or forehead. He will not allow anyone to buy or sell unless they have the mark, and he'll use the mark 666. Now, let's think about this. This generation is seeing the nine signs. Remember the nine signs from the first week? We're seeing the Antichrist more than ever before. We're having more famines than ever before. Remember, I went to websites, secular websites that track these things. What did you see? Famines going up over this last generation. Earthquakes, earthquakes going up. All of these things that Jesus said would be signs. Wars and rumors of wars growing in our midst. Okay, those are the signs. Last week, we talked about the events. Now, we needed Israel to be Israel so that all this can happen. Israel became a nation 48. We needed Jerusalem. That happened in 1967. We then realized that we have to have nuclear warfare. Nuclear warfare happened during World War II because nuclear warfare fulfills Zachariah's prophecies of how the battles are being won and fought at that time. We needed then global satellite television. That happened also in the 60s because we needed live interaction with all of these things going on. And then these events point to now the Antichrist. And here's his last thing. And we also learned about technology and it increasing more than ever before. Now watch this. It says that the Antichrist will have a mark that people cannot buy and sell without. Just 40 years ago, could we have had a cashless, no-currency society? Couldn't have done it. Wouldn't have had the ability. Could we have done it 25 years ago? No. It's only until this generation right now that that identity chip that some military is already wearing some children are receiving, and right now dogs and pets can get it right now at your local veterinarian store, can hold your social security, your bank account, everything about you right there. It's already made, and it's ready to be distributed. Now, you might say, Pastor, what if I'm in the military and they ask me to do this? This itself is not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast, I think, will relate something to like this sci-fi figure right here where he has a mark that symbolizes what type of person and race that he is. Now you put this together, what you will have is probably a tattoo, a mark of this new time, because we're not, we're really not getting it, okay? We're really not getting this. 
3.5 billion people disappear from this earth. Can you understand the tragedy that this will put? Can you then understand what a world empire looks like? See, we don't even get this. See, people in, Hit in Hitler's Germany were wearing swastikas. If he would have asked them to get tattoos and tied it to a, a, a buying selling mark, it would have been done in 30 seconds. My friends, you and I are thinking right now, why well, wouldn't do that? I want to wait till this happens. Church is gone. 3.5 billion people are gone. A man conquers three nations, ends the world's problems, and now says this is what you need. And on top of that, the Bible says God himself is sending a delusion. Demons are coming from the abyss doing signs and wonders I'll get a tattoo and a mark the Bible says they all get it and the technology is already right here so here it is in closing my friends here it is here's the summary of today's lesson thank you for sticking with me trust me it has a good ending amen could somebody say amen for good endings praise God here's some things you should remember the Antichrist, he's now working secretly in churches and in nations. The spirit of the, of the devil is doing that. Number two, he will appear when the church is raptured. Number three, he will rise out of rebellion and wickedness. Number four, he will come from ten kings and rule the world. He will make new laws and bring peace for three and a half years. He will speak many blasphemies against God. He will command all to worship him. He will defile the Jewish temple. He will kill and oppress the Jews and Christians. He will force the world to take a mark 666 which by the way we think just in and of itself 666 the number of man not to get in numerology which is to make everything very um numerological <laughs> numerological is, i don't think it's a word how would i say thank you ma'am thank you and so we don't need to get stuck on what 666 is it's simply itself the symbol of the man and some people say seven is perfection six is the day that god made man there it's the number of man god works in threes Father, Son, and Spirit, we're body, soul, and spirit. And so it's the dragon, it's the beast, it's the false prophet. So the man 666 is just basically an unholy trinity of the, the ways of Satan. Other than that, I can't go any deeper into 666. Don't get hung up on it, okay? I just didn't get a chance to talk about that. Number 11, he will gather an army against Israel. He will be destroyed by the coming of Jesus. If you believe he'll be destroyed, will you come and stand with me right now? Would you stand as the band comes? Come on, would you just give the Lord a hand clap if you believe he'll be destroyed? Thank you. Now I want to ask you a question. We've talked about the Antichrist. I want to ask you a question. Do you have the real Christ? Let me tell you a little bit about the real Christ today. The real Christ is our advocate. He is the Lamb of God. He is the resurrection and the life. Come on, somebody. Can anybody get excited up in this house today? He is the shepherd and bishop of souls, the judge, the Lord of lords, the man of sorrows, the head of the church, the master, faithful and true witness, the rock, the high priest, the door, living water, bread of life, rose of Sharon, Alpha and Omega, the vine, the Messiah, the teacher, the holy one, the mediator, the beloved, the branch, the carpenter, the good shepherd, the light of the world, the image of the invisible God, the word, the chief cornerstone, the savior, the servant, the author and finisher of the faith, the almighty, the everlasting father, the line of the tribe of Judah, the I am, the king of kings the Prince of Peace, the Bridegroom, the Only Begotten Son, Wonderful Counselor, Emmanuel, Son of Man, Dayspring, the Amen, King of the Jews, the Prophet, Redeemer, Anchor of our souls, Pride and Money Star, the Way, the Truth, in the Life. If you love Jesus, come on somebody give Him praise. 
in the house of God, we love you. Come on, just keep clapping and shouting for a few more moments. Jesus, come on, lift your voice. Oh, we worship you today. Oh, you're the King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords. Jesus, love you, Lord. Jesus, oh. Hallelujah. Jesus. Altar workers, would you come please in closing today? I want to ask you a question as we're praising his name. Are you in love with the real Jesus? Do you have him in your heart today? He didn't tell you to get a mark. He's not here to destroy you. He's here to bless you. He's here to make you a new creation, the child of his heavenly father. How do you receive Jesus? By repentance, asking him into your heart. And today, if you don't have the real Jesus, you can meet him right at these altars. We're going to close out by singing a great song, Start a Fire. If you have to go, you'll be dismissed after I pray here. But if you want to meet Jesus, we're going to ask you to come forward and get prayer. Because Jesus is the unique Son of God, the Savior of your soul. Let's pray. Father, I ask you right now, for any of those here who don't know you, God, I pray they don't wait till it's too late. I pray they accept and receive you now. You are a good God who died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again on the third day, and you're coming back one day for a church that knows and loves you, God. I pray today for all souls that can hear my voice, if they're not right with you or ready to meet you, that they come and receive prayer so that... God, if you come, and when you come, they're ready and to meet you, God, in the air. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. God bless you. If you have to go, we'll see you at life groups. Let's worship and get close to God if you have time. Come on, those who need prayer. Jesus. Those who need Jesus as we're dismissing, would you come? God, do it, Lord. Jesus, we want more of you, God. Jesus, if you want to just worship, come on, you have a few moments here today. We're not in a hurry. No place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in Montreal. There's no place, no place I would rather be. There's no place so worthy, Lord. Pushing to set a fire, oh, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Sour more of you, God. Sour more of you, said. We set up our town in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you. Oh, we set up our Sing out today. We set up our town in my soul. My 